Whether you need to restock the fridge or just have a sudden, intense craving for cheese puffs, Kroger Delivery will get you just what you need in as little as 30 minutes. From groceries to household items, Kroger delivers right to your door. So don't let one major craving have you reaching for your car keys. Open the Kroger app and start your cart, whatever the cart. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Delivery times not guaranteed. Restrictions may apply. See site for details. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a drama coach to be an IT guy. Yeah, I'm having trouble logging in. I'm not buying it. Say it again. This time with feeling. I can't log in? Come on, man. I want to feel your struggle. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Now, like your life depends on it. I can't log in. Yes, we'll make an actor out of you yet. For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. Hello there, welcome to another episode of This Week in History with me, your host, Dan the Viking. And first things first, we will cover this week's episode. So, for those of you who had a guess, which wasn't that many, to be fair, and I don't know if that's people not guessing because they don't know it, or people just not playing along. You should be playing along. Um, The first picture was the picture of the Mary Rose, which is a ship... That was owned by King Henry VIII. The second one is a ship from Sweden, which is called the Vasa. Now, what's interesting about both of these ships is they are both very, very old and both raised from the ground almost 400 years after they sunk. So this is why they are quite interesting stories. Now, if this is the first time you are listening to my podcast, welcome. Welcome to This Week in History. If you are a regular listener, welcome back and we're glad to have you. We'll start with a bit of housekeeping before we get into the show. Uh, We have a new podcast that might be coming out soon. Um, We haven't yet decided on a name. Uh, This is with myself and Lee from Realm of the Supernatural and also a gentleman called Phil who does a podcast called Scared. Uh, very good podcast actually very very worth listening to if you are into the supernatural and ghost stories and things like that if you're not into it give it a miss but we are contemplating doing a like a round robin type podcast where we could just chat so it won't be history based it won't be supernatural based it will just be three blokes probably having a beer and talking bollocks to be honest um if that's something you guys will be interested in let me know if you think it's probably not a good idea again let me know because this is just a pipeline idea at the moment it's not something we have decided we haven't even decided on a name for it we just want to get a bit of an idea on how many people are going to listen so let me know um for those of you who are supporting me on patreon thank you very much you will have a new episode coming very shortly 
Now, I know we have had a few decent episodes on Patreon recently in regards to gangsters and outlaws, but we will be moving on to a new subject which has been brought to my attention by a man named Paul. Now, Paul is a very avid listener of the show and regularly uh, messages me with different ideas and things like that, which I love. If you guys uh, feel like you want to drop me a message every now and again and just let me know what you're thinking, please feel free to do it. You know, I'm quite a friendly person and I do enjoy I do enjoy it. So, um, Paul has requested that we cover in Patreon some serial killers that are not from the United States. Now, considering 90% of my listeners are from the United States, I don't know how many of you guys listen or know about uh, serial killers outside of the US, so this might be something that you guys are interested in. Now, I found that history of crime is quite interesting and there are a lot of podcasts out there that do it which is why I sort of stayed away from it for quite a long time but it is something I can work into Patreon so if you guys feel like you uh, you would be interested in that get yourselves over to Patreon if that isn't your sort of thing but you do enjoy the show then please feel free to support me on Patreon um Patreon is I believe a minimum is about five dollars a month um, but you can pay as much as you want or anything like that and uh, we're finding now that a lot of people are actually from what I can tell from my Patreon statistics a lot of people are just actually supporting the show rather than listening to the extra episodes which I found a bit strange um, because I thought you know people want to go on Patreon because they want the extra episodes so it turns out that a majority of people on Patreon are there just to support the podcast and they enjoy the person that that they're listening to and they feel that what they're listening to is probably worth four or five dollars a month um so if that if you're on that boat and you're not really bothered about the extra episodes but you do want to support the show get yourselves over to patreon.com forward slash this week in history so without further ado we shall get on with the show so we are going to cover the mary rose now the mary rose was actually discovered in 1971 and it was raised on the 11th of october 1982 so it took them 11 years to raise the mary rose and as previously mentioned it was king henry VIII's ship now the mary rose was actually uh, commissioned uh, in 15 11 so it was actually well it was commissioned in 1510 but it was launched its first date on 1511 in july so it was the pride of the royal navy it was king henry VIII's flagship and it had been a many many battles it had been around it done 33 years of service before it actually sank so it was a very experienced ship Now, with an experienced ship, you would assume it had an experienced crew. This is not the case for this particular ship. What happened with the Mary Rose is it was brought into Portsmouth Harbour uh, in around uh, 1545. It was brought into the harbour for repairs and maintenance, and it was actually brought in for an upgrade. So at this point, the ship is 33 years old, and it's due to have... A rebuild basically it wants King Henry VIII wants the new guns he wants the new boarding decks he wants everything 
on his flagship to be better than what it was already. And the problem with this is obviously when you redo a ship, the ship was designed in a certain way to float at a certain point with a certain amount of weight on it. So for those of you who don't know much about buoyancy, it's the same basically if you put a ball in the water, the more pressure you put on it, or the more weight you put on it, the further into the water it goes. That was essentially the point. So they had to redo the buoyancy on on the ship, and they had to redo it so it it worked out that everything was level for the Mary Rose. Now, when the Mary Rose was ready to resail, it was actually sent out of Portsmouth Harbour to stop a French armada that had come round the Isle of Wight. So if you ever get the chance to look at a map, if you look at Portsmouth in England, there is a little island just south of England. Uh, You're talking maybe 5-10 miles, something like that, south of England. And that is called the Isle of Wight. Now, at the bottom of the Isle of Wight was the French Armada, and Portsmouth Harbour was ready for a French invasion. There are paintings of the... Mary Rose at the time and their paintings of Portsmouth Harbour at the time that were very very accurate compared to today's sort of geography of the the landscape if that makes sense so these pictures are very accurate considering you're talking you know five six hundred years ago with the Mary Rose in particular it was the flagship so it was the first ship out to battle and what it did is it went out of Portsmouth Harbour with all its new guns and everything like that. It turned to its side, fired a broadside at the French fleet, and then what it done is it turned completely to starboard side to the right to fire the other side guns. As it did that, the ship turned to the side, caught water, and sunk. And it just sunk to the bottom within five minutes. Uh, There was only about five or ten sailors that survived the the sinking. Uh, The rest died. The reason they died is because they had anti-boarding nets up on the Mary Rose to stop the French from boarding the ship. And obviously, this is what happened. You know, they they, they stopped the French from boarding, but they also stopped the English from getting out. Now, there are many stories in regards to the Mary Rose first story was that the captain of the ship could not control the sailors on board and he said that they were unruly and wouldn't listen to him now this was said maybe a couple of weeks before the Mary Rose actually sunk and it does give you an idea Um, at the time Portsmouth was very well known for what we call press ganging and if you remember back to the Blackbeard episode for those of you who have listened press ganging was essentially taking someone who's drunk and putting them on a ship when they have no idea they wake up at sea and it's tough shit you're at sea Um, that was press ganging so Portsmouth had a tradition or a history of press ganging people into the Royal Navy and the Mary Rose was no different the Mary Rose actually had Um, quite a lot of Spanish and French sailors on board the ship at the time so there is a potential there that when the captain's trying to shout commands 
that people aren't listening because they don't actually understand what he's saying. Now, that is one theory, and that, but that wouldn't explain why it sunk. The other theory was that it was hit by a French ship, and because it was, because obviously the French did fire back, with it being hit by a French ship, one of those was uh, substantial enough to cause enough damage to the Mary Rose for it to sink. Again, this has been tested. They have tested the wood that has been risen from the seabed, and there is no real evidence to suggest that a cannonball would have been substantial enough to sink a ship of this size. Another theory was that King Henry VIII and his advisors rushed getting the Mary Rose seaworthy. Now you've got to remember Mary, the Mary Rose was a 30 year old ship at this time. 30 years old, it was not the modern ships that were going out ready at this time. So they had to refurbish it and had they got the weight distribution wrong, had they not checked the buoyancy properly, had they done something wrong, did it was it doomed from the start, basically? Was there something about that ship that was always going to sink? And again, this is something we didn't really know. Now, all of these have been tested, and I will go through this once I've given you the theories. Another theory was that the ship was so heavy and wasn't tested properly that when it turned to the starboard side, the gun bays were left open the gun doors on the cannons were left open now they had actually fitted new cannons to the lower deck lower to the sea line than previous which means if the ship turned and tilted to one side if the gun uh, the gun doors were left open water could flood in through there and it would just very quickly it would sink very very fast now that seems the most logical explanation um, another one was that there was too much weight on the ship. Now, this is something that was quite serious because it, you know, they'd put new cannons on the ship. They'd increased the cannons from around sixty to sixty-five that it had previously, somewhere between seventy-eight and ninety-one guns on on board the ship at the time. So they'd increase that. With increased guns, they had to increase the ammunition, they had to increase the gunpowder, and they had to increase the men on board. So when the Mary Rose actually set sail, it was supposed to carry 200 sailors, 185 soldiers, which would include archers, and 30 gunners. Now, 30 gunners are to deal with the cannons. Now, the Mary Rose was said at the time to have set sail with more were about 200 men more than what it should have done and this was for two reasons one because you're going into battle now battlefields and any any battle in in history really will tell you the more men stand more chance of winning um it's very rare that the side with the least amount actually ends up coming out victorious and especially in the middle ages so when henry the eighth came in when he set his ship up the captain had the opportunity to take more men that's what he did now when you're taking one man one man plus his baggage plus his ammunition is everything he needed was roughly 100 to 150 kilos 
So when you're talking 200 more men, you're talking another 20 tons of people on board this ship. Now, that is a lot when considering the ship itself was only supposed to have about 500 tons, somewhere between 500 and 800. Now, it was said to be 500 before the refit, anything up to 800 after. But when you think that they've upgraded the guns, each of these guns weighed somewhere between 5 and 10 tons themselves. These were massive bronze cannons. These weren't the cannons that you would see on a normal ship now. These were huge um, for what they were. The ammunition was obviously extra. And when you're talking an extra 20 or 30 tons added onto the already maximum weight capacity, it pushes the ship into the, the waterline a little bit more. So it was tested. Uh, it's all been tested. They've found uh, replicas of the ship. They've made replicas of the ship and tested every theory. Tested if a cannon hole would sink a ship of this size. No, it wouldn't. They tested the exact specifications and would the ship sink? You know, would would it would it sail? They tested exactly how it was built to the specifications that they found. And it sailed absolutely perfectly fine. So the ship itself was not doomed from the start, which was one of the things they thought. They thought it was King Henry VIII and his his ego to have a flagship that was ready on time to meet the French Armada. Obviously, that wasn't actually the case. It was seaworthy and it wasn't doomed from the start. They then tested it with a turn with the gun doors open and would the turn with that be enough to allow water into the into the deck and sink the ship and again that wasn't the case it wouldn't do it it the it was designed in the exact way that it would have made would have made those turns absolutely fine however when they put the extra weight onto the model ship they did exactly the same thing the ship turned the ship sank so the Mary Rose sank because there were too many men on the ship or there was too much weight on the ship now it wasn't to do with the unruly crew potentially had they have shut those gun doors the Mary Rose would have stayed afloat now like I said there is that possibility that uh, the gunners were not English and therefore couldn't understand what the captain was saying there's also the fact that they're in the middle of a battle. The captain is on the top deck. The gunners are on the gun deck. The gun bay's below. And he's got to shout down to them from a deck where people are screaming, shouting, firing rifles, firing cannons. It's very unlikely that they're going to hear a command like that. Now, the Mary Rose was the pride of Henry VIII. Now, not only did it sink, it actually sunk in front of King Henry VIII's eyes. He was standing at uh, a castle uh, just just outside of Portsmouth, not very far, called South Sea Castle. Now, this is on the Solent. This is where the Mary Rose sank. It's called the Solent, which is the stretch of water between Portsmouth and the Isle of Wight. And he was on that castle watching the battle and he watched his ship sink to the bottom and it's something that I don't think you can really imagine 
what he was thinking at that point. There's a French armada waiting to invade England, waiting to take England, take his crown away from him. He sends out his best ship to stop them. And within the space of five minutes, it's sunk to the bottom. I think at that point, he was probably thinking, shit, we're in trouble here. Now, obviously, turns out after the battle, the the English were victorious. They pushed the French away. And that was the end of the story. Until 1970s, when the Mary Rose was found. And it was dived on quite regularly in 1971 and it was very very expensive expedition they sent about 10 divers down I know like I said over the course of about 11 years they excavated the Mary Rose now what happened when the Mary Rose sank the Solent in Portsmouth is clay and muddy very very muddy and half of the ship sunk into the clay and the other half of the ship stayed out into the sea where the elements could get at it and wore it away so that's why if you look at the picture of the Mary Rose now in Portsmouth Conservation Centre or the museum, it's called the Mary Rose Museum uh, the Mary Rose is only half of a ship that is because the other half has worn away and disappeared when they raised the ship they found uh, skeletons they found countless number of uh, bows for bows and arrows, obviously the most of the strings had, had disappeared um, they found the cannons they found also that the gun doors were left open because obviously it sunk that quick the doors were still left open um, and they raised it in, in 1982 it was one of the most expensive maritime salvage product projects in history and it was really a time capsule for the the time period of the you know the early 1500s and it showed you how a Tudor warship was actually how it worked you know when it was raised you can still see all this at the Mary Rose Museum you can still see the cannons you can see the bows you can see the bones of people you know there were thousands of bones that were discovered um, that they worked out to around I think it was around 170 ish people that they managed to find through these bones um, bearing in mind a lot of these would have would have disappeared over time um, a lot of them were prob- there's probably a lot of them still down there um, but this is what they managed to recover for, from the Mary Rose and it just became this complete thing that fascinated the UK um, I, I think it fascinated a lot of people around the world to be honest and there's probably people here um, who are please don't take this the wrong way, but old enough to remember this. Um, I'm not old enough to remember the raising of the Mary Rose, but I have been lucky enough to go down there once in my life and visit it. Um, It is something that I will be doing again at some point. Now I'm a little bit older and can probably appreciate it a little bit more. Not only that, if I go down there, you uh, have the Mary Rose Museum and next door to that you have HMS Victory. So these are definitely something that I will be going to see at some point in my life but um you know it's a it's a fascinating story and, and for those of you who don't know the reasons behind it or didn't know what the ship was or even that how weird it is that we have a 500 a year old ship in England that is you know from from the Tudor times we don't you know 
America has never built a sailing ship like this. For example, you know, um, American history, when Americans started building battleships and real warships, um, you had steam power and, and things like that. You know, the first American warships were, were not sailing ships. So for you guys um, who have never never built real sailing ships, it's something that, you know, is is different for you guys i suppose i don't think it's whether you whether you find it fascinating or not i I don't know but i know i find things that uh, other countries do that england and britain have never done Uh, i find things like that absolutely amazing um because i think you know why didn't we do that in our country you know but that's you know every country has their own history and um sailing ships and you know navy has been one of the biggest things about britain mainly because of the fact that we're an island um, and an island can only be protected at this time by the sea you know airplanes weren't invented or anything like that Um, the only way people could get to us was was via the sea so that's why there was so much pride put into it and that's why Henry VIII took so much pride in the Mary Rose and you know to witness it sink the way he did I think uh, probably shocked him quite a bit to be honest um yeah the mary rose there we go different story something a little bit more well it's not war is it you know we've we've done a lot of battles recently so it's not a battle it's not a war uh it is still military um so i might try and move away from military a little bit um but it's uh it's definitely an interesting story and for those of you who are interested in the mary rose um, if you ever get a chance to go to Portsmouth, um, it's definitely worth having a look. If you're interested in it at all, get yourself on YouTube because um, there are videos of the Mary Rose. You can actually see videos of them raising it in uh, 1981. And you can also see videos of it now. So it is currently, um, it's constantly being sprayed. So it has um, seawater, I believe, or chemical water. Um, that's constantly spraying onto the Mary Rose because if they don't and the wood dries out it will just disappear so it is you know it's constantly being looked after it's something that's going to cost well must cost thousands and thousands a year to to keep it uh, in the condition they have done but it's worth preserving you know history is worth preserving especially something like that and yeah we'll move on we'll move on to the next ship uh this is the vasa or the vasa or vasa however you want to pronounce it i'm not swedish so i'm sure someone will uh correct me on this one um this ship is in substantially better condition than the mary rose <clears throat> it was uh launched in march 1627 so it is you know a hundred years younger than the mary rose this is a 400 year old ship but not uh, not a 500 year old but the interesting thing about this ship is it sunk basically the same way the vasa was built uh, it was built by king gustav adolphus in sweden Uh, he was a bit of an eccentric king someone a bit different um sweden was in the middle of a war with poland and lithuania and they had built quite a big empire considering uh what we think of sweden now being 
I mean, I've never really thought of the Swedes as as you know a conquering nation, um, but they you know they built a, a substantial empire in the 1500s, um, and they were bordering with Lithuania and Poland, um, which is why this ship was built. It was built in a way to show off how superior Sweden was to the Polish basically that was the point of it it was look at this ship look how amazing this ship is and let's be honest guys if you've seen the picture it's a bloody amazing ship um the intricate details that are done on this ship is unbelievable um this ship was originally painted red and gold it was an absolute icon of a ship um it was it was huge you know it was for what it was um it it took 1200 tons of weight it was roughly 226 feet or 69 meters in length uh, it had a height of 172 feet it, it was huge you know um it had roughly 64 guns on it uh, it could take anything up to 300 soldiers 145 sailors um, for the time period it was you know a pretty decent ship um, Sweden were showing off with this this was a masterpiece of engineering <clears throat> well so they thought um, it was definitely propaganda of its day now I'm well aware of the propaganda that goes on around the world right now this was basically your equivalent of what we get now there was depictions of the Swedish beating the Poles. There was this depictions of the Pope being uh, being beaten. Because obviously at the time, Sweden was a Protestant country. Um, Poland and Lithuania were Catholic. So it was that, that um, you know, the classic Protestant-Catholic um, debate that, you know, has gone on for... Or forever, really. I don't ever remember a time where it hasn't gone on. But this was another another thing they they just you know they embroidered it all across the ship the point of it was to intimidate any enemy when they saw this ship because it looked formidable problem with the ship was it was very fucking heavy not only was it very fucking heavy uh it was that heavy that it sunk and it sunk in exactly the same way as the Mary Rose. It, uh, you know, set off outside out of Sweden's harbour, and as it went out, it fired a salute to the king, uh, so broadside to the king to you know just as a general salute. The Vasa then changed direction, and it was that unstable, too much weight, and it sunk. Uh, it was a, a slight breeze to go with it. This was also the slight breeze was put up with the the Mary Rose as well. They did say there was a slight breeze that uh, helped turn it or help push it into the water. And this exact same thing happened as it turned. The slight breeze caught it. It went slightly further into the water than it should have done, and the gun decks were open, and the ship flooded with water and sunk to the bottom. The interesting thing about the Vasa in comparison to the Mary Rose is this was it was this was its maiden voyage. This ship had never sailed before and the people who died in this ship were not all sailors and soldiers because this was 
a maiden voyage this was basically it was to go out go around the harbour a bit sail for a little bit and show off and then come back ready to ready for its uh, first missions and obviously it went out it had women children on board to show off the ship and obviously a lot of these these guys died in in the the shipwreck because this wasn't expected to happen you know it wasn't going into battle it was just it was just there it just went out and you know it sunk um luckily for us as historians this ship sunk into freezing cold waters and those freezing cold waters have preserved the ship in such a way that is unimaginable to most people and if you actually uh, if you actually look at the the ship itself it's unbelievable you know the the condition of it you would think that someone had built a model of this ship this is when i first heard about the story of the vasa um i assumed that it was it was a model you know they'd found it um i know they've you know obviously fixed it up a little bit and done a lot more um lot work on it to make it look the way it is but majority of the ship that you see is what they pulled out of the shipwreck um it was raised uh, a little bit earlier than the mary rose it was actually raised in 1961 so it's about 20 years earlier um and it is currently in stockholm museum so but like i said it's just in immaculate condition and it it is a very intimidating ship to look at and like i said when i first saw this i just assumed that it was yeah it was it was a replica of the ship i didn't think that this was the real ship and it was my dad that said because i was talking to my dad about the mary rose and he said why don't you have a look at the swedish ship the vasa and i said well i've never heard of that and i was like no that's not real so that's not real that's in too good condition and turns out that the freezing cold water uh, where it sunk was enough to preserve the wood and preserve the ship in the way that it has been preserved and it and it is on my to-do list if I ever get a chance to go to Sweden uh, if we're ever allowed out of lockdown if we're ever allowed out of the country again um, that will be one of the places that I have to visit is Stockholm Museum because that ship that's on my to-do list um, it's just amazing if you if you didn't see it on facebook get yourselves onto facebook and have a look at the pictures um if you're not on facebook get yourselves onto google and just type in vasa v-a-s-a um it's you know you you almost you would think exactly what i thought that it was not that it was a model it wasn't the real ship that they put out and it's uh it's an interesting story and I, i think it's a sadder story than the mary rose because this was a maiden voyage the people that died on it weren't going to war um they were just there for the day out and you know it ended up being a a massive tragedy and it's something that um the swedish are obviously very very aware of and i would say proud of you know to me to look at a ship like that you should be proud of of the engineering obviously they didn't work it out properly with the weights and the buoyancy but the ship itself is i don't think i'd want to come up against it it's a it's a scary looking ship so 
yeah that's that's the story of the vasa now these aren't massive stories um i mean i can spend hours going into the french english war in regards to the mary rose i could spend hours going into the swedish polish war um in regards to the vasa being built but you know they're something i can say for a different episode i suppose you know the these ships in particular are just masterpieces and how they've been preserved and how they're time capsules into the past you know it's uh it's very hard to find things like that um especially you know nowadays and the fact that people have that sort of technology to be able to go and and steal things like this you know maritime salvage is massive and you know people steal things off ships all the time um and that's you know that's just the way it is but to find something like that and the way it's preserved and the way that it's been looked after and in, invested in in both by both countries you know the uk with the mary rose and how the mary rose foundation uh looks after that ship and keeps it in the, the condition that it's in um it's fantastic and very commend uh commend commendable yeah that's the right word commendable um and again the same with with stockholm museum and, and how they look after the vassa and how they've kept that over the years um these are feats of engineering and they give you a look into a history that we probably wouldn't know much about had it not been for for this um, you know they found out for example on the mary rose uh, a few of the soldiers and they they're assuming soldiers that they found had a break in their shoulder or the collarbone um, and this was a repetitive strain injury and what they said was they took this to the doctors and they found that the the bone in particular in the shoulder um, was split into two pieces now this isn't a regular thing when you become an adult these bones so you have a cartilage between the bone and I'm sure there's a doctor or someone who listens who knows what bone I'm talking about um, I can't remember the name but there is a cartilage between the two bones and as you get older the cartilage fuses into solid bone and obviously at the time this it's very rare that it ever breaks and they found this repetitive injury in soldiers and you know they took it to doctors and they said you know what's the reason for this why is this uh, this bone constantly broken um and they said well it's not something that's happened as an adult because adults don't you know it's very hard to break that bone and for it to be repetitive across certain amount of soldiers from the mary rose it's all virtually impossible but what it doesn't take into account is the fact that uh, they looked at archers so they looked at the archers modern day archers who deal with the same the same pain that these guys would have had but not the same bone damage that these guys had and the reason they had this bone damage in comparison to the archers nowadays is the fact that in great britain children from the age of seven had to practice archery once a week so this repetitive strain happened as a child to the point where the bones never fused together so they could look at certain skeletons and look at this particular bone in the shoulder and say that was an archer because that bone never fused to create the archer you know to, to create the adult frame that we would need and yeah it was just just fascinating things like that that you probably wouldn't have 
found out about had it not been for the Mary Rose being raised from the ground to find these skeletons to say, well, hang on a minute, this this injury is very common amongst soldiers. So, yeah, it's amazing the things you can find deep in the oceans uh, or in Portsmouth Harbour or Stockholm Harbour. So these are these are interesting, and uh, I hope you guys found these stories interesting too because like I said it's something a little bit different and you know less war I suppose than what we're what we're used to in this show so um yeah we'll uh we'll end it there so thank you for listening um for those of you who are still with me and you're not on the Facebook group I say it every week get yourselves onto Facebook uh this week in history you'll find me on there just join the group. I'll accept you on that. So it's, uh, it's a nice, easy way. And you can get involved in the game for next week. Uh, if you are interested in supporting the show and you do think that it's worth uh, worth a little bit of your money, um, support me on Patreon. Uh, go on to patreon.com forward slash this week in history. Um, you will find me on there and sign up to my Patreon. Uh, thank you for listening, guys. And just remember, we all have history. So make yours great. Bye-bye. Bundling home and car insurance with GEICO is so easy, your neighbors are probably already doing it. But who? They may drop little hints like... Beautiful day out. Even more beautiful since we saved by bundling our home and car insurance with GEICO. Or... Yard work is hard. Much harder than bundling with GEICO, which was easy. Or it may be even subtler, like... Speaking of burgers, we bundled our home and car insurance with GEICO and saved a bunch of money. Bundling is easy with GEICO. Just ask your neighbors.